so nice to see everyone arriving. I'm seeing names of people that I haven't seen in six months or a year or two. With my work schedule, I don't often make it to the midday inquiry. It's great to see old friends. All right, welcome everyone. Still a few people joining in, but I think it's slowing down a bit. All right, as is our practice, let's begin by sitting together. We'll sit for about 10 minutes together just to settle in. Thank you for so much for being here and for your, for your shared practice that makes this possible.
Vast as the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Well, welcome, everyone. Good to be with you all. My name is Todd, Todd Bankler, if I haven't met you. Uh, I'm one of the new entrusted teachers at the Austin Sangha, the Appamata Austin Sangha, along with Lori Winnett and Joel Barna. Uh, and it's my pleasure to be with you here today. I know inquiry is always one of Flint's favorite times. His, his special place. So it um, makes me smile to, to get to be here and be in his seat. So I know that Flint's been reflecting on his upcoming Dharma transmission. I imagine that um, is quite, quite a bit of cause for reflection. Reflection on a long practice life and interactions with many that came before you. And as we can see here, at least 63 that are coming after you that are here right now. Many, many more who aren't today. And so it's, you know, we just received our entrustment, you know, what about the, gosh, it's coming up on two years, I guess, pretty soon, <clears throat> a year and a half ago. And that was also an occasion to, uh, in my case, I'll say, rather than reflecting, more like stir up a bunch of stuff about what am I doing? <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? <clears throat> but reflections nonetheless. It's a very curious thing talking about transmission. <clears throat> you know, the most famous story in our in the Buddhist scriptures is is the uh, original transmission from Shakyamuni Buddha to Mahakashapa on Vulture Peak, where he holds up the flower and smiles. Right, it's a strange, wondrous, mysterious transmission right, that's used as a koan. What could be transmitted? What does the flower mean? How come Kashapa was the only one who got it? Is it a special flower? Maybe it's more like an inside joke. And so there's this 
long ritualistic way of um, marking Dharma transmission through ceremony and ritual. Uh, from what limited bits I know about it, you know, it goes on for months and months and months, and 95% of it is private. <clears throat> Very involved in Zen tradition, Japanese tradition. But Joko apparently didn't seem to think that was uh, all that necessary. I, I remember hearing Barry Majid talk about uh, Joko just sitting next to him on the couch one day and saying, hmm, you've got it now. And that was her way of conferring transmission to Barry. So I've been thinking about what is it that's transmitted? I keep using the words transmission, right? To pass something along. So it probably wasn't the flower that was being held up. Barry Magid also talks about the process of transmitting bagel. He takes his son out for Sunday morning bagels to his favorite bagel eatery in, in New York City. And so he says, I transmit bagel to him. <clears throat> so the, car, the thought occurs to me that, you know, we're always transmitting. We're always transmitting something, whether it comes out of our tangled egoic, um, you know, reactivity, or whether it comes out of um, a more centered place, you know, this Buddha heart mind, this big mind. We're always passing something along. So maybe it's good to stop and think about it and consider it. What are we passing along? I know when I showed up at Apamata, um, I was mostly out to get something. <clears throat> I've been doing, uh, let's call it non-denominational, maybe present moment awareness practices and concentration practices and trying to bring myself into the present moment for a few years anyway. <clears throat> um, but then I noticed something was missing namely anyone else. <clears throat> so I showed up at Apamata after a quick Google search of, well, I spent a year trying to figure out what it was I was looking for. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'd heard of Zen like anyone else, but I didn't know that was a thing. I was just trying to figure out how does someone progress on this path of opening and finding peace. And I'll never forget the, I, within the first three or four months, Peg had an intensive in her home, in her living room, with her converted house, and Flint was there, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of got on that conveyor belt and tried to go with it. 
And at the end, I just remember um, in the closing, crying and bowing, crying and bowing, because I was just so impacted. I was so amazed at what had just happened. And I was at this person's house who had converted their home and had 20 people in there and was spending 12 or 14 hours a day um, you know, asking nothing in return, just to offer them something, something that had been offered to them. So that was a pretty special transmission. One that's obviously had an impact on me. <clears throat> And for all of my misguided thoughts, ideas, you know, fantasies about what being a teacher means, the only thing I could ever concretely come back to was it was important for me. I should make sure it keeps going. Right. into the present moment. Along with that, we have our forms and our ritual, our sutras and our teachings. One teacher says, I'm afraid to tell you mostly what gets transmitted is our bad habits. But really independent of the particular person, the particular vessel that flavors this Buddha heart mind, this big mind that gets passed down. It's just that. It's this big mind. It's the one that can contain your small mind, your problems, your particular flavors, your reactivity, that has patience bigger than you know. From Ryokai, Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi. The Dharma of Thusis is intimately transmitted by Buddhas and ancestors. Now you have it, so keep it well. Just that simple, right? Now you've got it. Everyone, now you have it. Mm. He doesn't explain how to keep it well, though. I it seems like that's missing. Seems like maybe there should be some instruction there.
but that's our practice. That's what we do. We keep it well as best we can. We return to it. We bring everything into our practice, into the center of our circle. As Joko would say, we work to expand our container to become a bigger container. To remember what we want. And that's, that's why we're here today. I imagine that is what brings you guys back, right? The opportunity to be together, to try and keep it well together, to support each other in spiritual friendship when we go astray and we fall down and we don't see that we have it. And we see like we, and it seems like we can never get it. So it's my honor to be here with you today and to keep it well together. So if there's some reason you think you don't have it and want to discuss it, the chair is open. I hear you. Ah, that's good. So I was... Um very moved by your talk, Todd. And also, um, it related to so much that has been flowing through me during the past few days. A few days ago, I learned that a friend of mine, uh, with, we've been friends since, for over 60 years since we met in Taiwan, um, she died unexpectedly and, um, I had been calling, I knew she was in the hospital. I'd been calling her, her for two weeks and it kept going to voicemail and her husband finally picked up and he had to say, I guess I have to tell you. You know, Mary has passed away. And um, it was so hard for him. I was shocked. Um, as I process, have been processing it over the last few days, it's like one thing that um, one huge impact it had on me is what you referred to. Um, it's like all of a sudden, Life was too big for me. I had been containing it pretty well. I've got my little routines. Um, I've got, you know, I'm pretty happy with my, my life. And all of a sudden, I was fully present to the fact that my friend was there and then she wasn't there. And it started a whole cascade of grief and feelings. I just started missing everyone in my life who was gone and that I couldn't call and realizing, you know, I don't have in my family, the previous generation is gone. So I'm on the edge of that cliff. 
And, um, you know, that's always been okay, but I felt very vulnerable in that moment. And when I learned, when her husband said those words, I mean, it, we talked a bit, it was just a few minutes before I immediately, I, my mind flew to our community, to our teachers, to, oh, inquiry is coming on Tuesday. Um, to every bow I've ever experienced at Appamata, you know, that's, that's where it went for me. And I realized I just wasn't big enough to contain life alone. So thank you all for being here, for making, for creating this space and for showing up. Thank you, thank you for sharing. I think you're right. All of our efforts to contain it will ultimately be for naught. All we can do is live it, enjoy it when we can, grieve fully when we're grieving. I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. We have John next. Hi, Todd. Hi, John. For the Dharma talk on Sunday, um, Kim asked us to consider what our self-centered dream was. And um, I probably have many, but one that I focused on is the delusion that I am separate. And that seems to be a huge barrier for me now. Uh, when something comes up, it's that I'm separate. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Oh, I don't know if I have any thoughts or answers, but when you were talking, I was thinking about maps, about the Mercator projection. <laughs> a way of displaying the globe on a flat piece of paper, right? That it's a model that allows us to move throughout the world rather well, right? Um, but ultimately, it's completely made up, right? It's, it's not a sphere at all. Our self-centered dreams, right? Our ideas of self, the Suzuki Roshi would tell them, they're wondrous maps that allow us to navigate so many circumstances of life. But ultimately, you know, not exactly true. Right? It can get in the way of trying to move into a different dimension, the practice dimension. Yeah, bumping up against that, that idea and working with it that's our practice, right? Not running away from that. Oh, another idea of self. Hello, how are you today? It's an old one or it's a new one. 
The ordinary mind is the way. We don't have to banish them. Right? We don't have to banish them. We just need to know they're provisional and they may not be useful right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have Flint next. You got me thinking about history, <laughs> our, our history. And there was uh, a moment that I've thought about a lot. In fact, <clears throat> I've used it, a story about you in uh, teaching. Um, and so, so I'll remind you of what it is, of course, um, because it had, had an impact on me. <clears throat> The, the way that, that you shared it, it, I think we were in an intensive together in the hill country, one of the times we were somewhere in the hill country. And at this particular retreat, you were in charge of the altars. Some people know the term Echidin, which is a classical term for taking care of the incense and the candles and the flowers. And, and I think you were also training some other people to do that. Uh, and it's a, when I've done it, it's a nice job because you get to focus on taking care of something really nice, you know. And you, when I had practice discussion with you after the retreat later, what I remember you telling me is that you went to your, back to work, wherever it was at that particular point, whatever big high-tech company you work for at the moment, <laughs> and you got at your desk and you took your laptop out and you put it on the desk and you put it in the dock and suddenly you realized that you were treating this thing the way that you treated everything on the altar. And that I remember you saying to me, it's like, oh, that's why we practice. It's so that we begin to, this is the way the world is made sacred. This is the way we use mindfulness to take care of the world and each other. And so when you just said to keep it well, it reminded me of that that story, because I thought your your wisdom and your insight was really uh, right on the spot. Do you remember that? I do. I remember telling you, I think the way I opened the subject in a practice discussion was the, the practice and the forms seem to be spilling out into the world. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what happened? I said, well, I was just putting my laptop in the dock in the morning to go to work. It wasn't the same. No, like arranging the incensor in some way. I like that spilling out into the world. Um, because that's, you, you mentioned using uh, our forms and practices uh, as a way to remember something, not to create something, but to remember something, to come home to something essential. So whether it's the flower or the whatever whatever brings us back. Uh, so that was a, a great practical moment. Uh, and apparently you haven't forgotten it because you continue to take care of us well <laughs> in that way. So I just wanted to mention that because it's a beautiful story, but, uh, but more than that, to thank you for your teaching in, 
in that moment and uh, in this moment too. Uh, just the, the keeping the phrase with us, how do we keep it well? We've been given a treasure, how do we keep it well? I hadn't thought about that line from Sakita Kisan exactly that way. Uh, so now you've offered me a new teaching I can take forward. Keep it well. talking about the forms, this is why I often tell people um, that the forms that we follow, particular ways of bowing, particular ways of addressing the altar, are not extra. They're not the window dressing on the practice. That is the practice. Meeting it fully with your whole body, as Flint would always say, getting it into your bones comes in through your bones instead of through your ideas about it. So the forms are part of the practice. Hello. Oh. We're in a full COVID wave four in my area. Where is and, that? Uh, in Alberta, Canada. And um, it's been, transmission is rampant and really hard and reframing transmission in a different way has been really helpful for me today and I just wanted to thank you for that you're welcome it seems to have touched something somewhere huh yeah I forgot it could be good mm. Yeah. Same, the same word, good and bad. Yeah. yeah, and I've forgotten as I spoke about it until you came up here and, and said that, I forgot it could be bad. <laughs> I was focusing on all the wonder of transmission. And then you said COVID, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Just um, a really good reminder that there's always both sides of the of it in the walking the middle way is the way through. Yeah, and watching all the ways that we try and know for sure that it's good, know for sure that it's bad. Yeah. And when we can hang in that limbo in that dead spot between knowing and not knowing, it's kind of a magical place. You don't know what will happen. Yeah. It's, it's an invitation for something even though we don't know what. Yeah, definitely needed that today. Welcome. Thanks for bringing it. Thank you. Have Rosemary next. Um, oh, hi, Todd. Hi, Rosemary. And everyone. Um, I have been thinking about um, self-appreciation and um, something interesting happened uh, recently. I've been, um, since COVID, I created a quite a beautiful garden on my terrace. Since I couldn't go anywhere, I thought this would be a, a, a space for me to be out of the apartment, but in something lovely that I, you know, that I'm responsible for also. And- um, Flower altar. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I worked really hard in it. And um, in the winter I had to take, because I'm in the Northeast, I'm in New Jersey, I had to take everything inside and I got a humidifier. I really, you know, did my best with these plants. Some of them, you know, survived, some didn't. And um, I, um, right now they're working on the terrace. Everything has to be inside again, except for some big, big plants that had to stay out there. And a lot of, they're, they're like drilling and a lot of dust got on these big plants. And um, one of them is not doing well. And um, I also think I might've neglected it somewhat, like forgotten about the big ones out there. And um, that made me realize what I had done for the plants that I had really, in other words, my neglect of the one made me realize what I really had done. And um, I'm bringing this up because a lot of times with me, um, I do get into a self-centered dream that's much bigger than creating a garden, in my mind, much bigger than creating a beautiful garden. Um, has to do with a lot of recognition, a lot of validation. And um, this, this um, plant that wasn't doing so well kind of settled me into, oh, look at, look at what you did. You did this beautiful thing. And when, and when you didn't, you know, when you neglected this one, it had, a, it had an impact. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. And it sort of led me on a path kind of a, away from this, this dreams and towards who I am and I guess what I transmit, if you want to bring it into your, your talk. And um, yeah, it feels much more grounded. And um, so thank you for, for offering the, um, the idea of the transmission because it feels right with the plants. Thank you. Thank you. It uh, reminds me of the you know, ripples we create in our world, right? The karmic ripples and paying attention to those. But in your self-care, it started with self-care, ended up as um, awareness of the rippling out effect that you're having on your environment and those around you. Yeah. Right? And that turn away from self-care, which is important, I don't want to diminish that, but towards not self-care. It's a very different thing. Yeah. The, this, yeah. The, I guess the plant, the plants, you know, and my and my relationship with them, my care for them, it's like a a, a bigger container than just me. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. We take our we take our small mind and we say, quit chewing on the self. Go chew on others than self. Let's see what that's like. Thank you. Hi, Todd. Thank you for leading this inquiry today. And thank you for your wonderful statement that you gave at the beginning. Um, I want to ask about the precepts. I know that you have more than once and, and are currently leading the uh, year-long precepts class for Apamata. And um, the, the experience of taking part in the precepts class has been very important for me. Uh, just 
it seems like the way to unpack the simple phrases about life as it is, uh, being the only teacher and, and seeing what one's self-centered dream is and so on, that, that to, to see it in, in these different facets makes it a lot more real for me uh, or to make, makes those phrases a lot more real for me. Um, and, you know, because in the style of our teachers, I know that you've been using some of the same texts and, and that those texts emphasize both the positive aspect of the of, of precept study, that it's not just thou shalt not, but, there, but that there are um, ways in which they, the precepts help you open to possibilities in life. And then the enormous challenges of doing that fully and, and with a really open heart. Uh, and I have a question for you um, about, about leading the precepts. And that is what, what you have discovered by taking on the role of leading the precepts class this year. Hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> mostly I think what, this isn't what you asked, but mostly I think what people discover in the year long working with the precepts is how, how much they're a fertile ground for opening for discovery, right? that each one is an invitation to look at the way you relate to the world in all the good ways and all the uh, habituated ways you don't want to look at. <clears throat> and it, it's, a, it's a bit of alchemy that creates a choice that didn't exist before. Like someone has asked me, do you want door number one or door number two? And then you realize, well, oh, there's five doors. That, that this process of um, working with the precepts in daily life to see how you're relating to the world, how you're meeting others, uh, opens up another dimension that there are other options. And you have a new, a new choice to make. You want to step through the same old door or try this new one, shine the new one on the right and see what happens. So I don't know if that's what I've learned, but when you bring it out, that's what comes to mind for me is that the more we do practices like this, the more freedom we gain in the next moment. So I've been kind of wondering about that this year. Thanks for asking. Thank you. And thank, thank you for what you do to, to point out that there's more than two doors all the time. Thank you. And I wonder how many are there that I'm not seeing. Hi, Todd. Hi, Stephanie. Um, I have a question about uh, something that Suzuki Roshi wrote um, in his book, Not Always So. Um, he talks about uh, 
how things go is a matter of cause and effect, which I'm familiar with and I don't have an issue with that. But then he says, things are just going on. If we realize this point, that is renunciation. And I'm a little confused about how he uses um, renunciation with this. Could you possibly talk a little bit about that? What, what, your, what your understanding might be about that? Say the line one more time, would you? Sure. He says, things are just going on. If we realize this point, that is renunciation. I don't know. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> sure. Or ask the audience. <laughs> ask the audience. You know, I don't know, but I'm happy to reflect on what I think or what comes up for me. Okay. Seems to be pointing to um, the yin and yang pull between um, controlling and allowing. That's what I hear, right? That on one hand, when we're in control mind, right, we're doing things in the world, right? And if they aren't coming out the way we want, then we must not be controlling them right. And we need to get another book to figure out how to control them better. Right. And then he's pointing to the opposite side, which could just as easily be the opposite ditch to fall in, which is things are just happening in the world and I have no human agency. Um, but I think he's just, since our common human uh, way of approaching things is to be more controlling, I think he's just pointing more towards um, renunciation is realizing that Things are happening, the universe is happening, and you're just part of it. Okay, so it's not, he's not talking about renunciation in the sense when we say all my ancient twisted karma, you know, that type of renunciation. No, I think, I think he's talking about the same type. I think he's talking about it with, um, through the lens of uh, what we can do about it. Oh, oh, gotcha. Oh. Letting go, letting go of what we can do about it. Okay. That the, the warning label on that is not sliding into the ditch of, well, I can't do anything. So, you know, let me just step over this homeless person. Right, right. Okay, that helps a lot. Thank you. I'd love to hear what Flint would say about this one, though. I'm happy to have him chime in. You want Thank me you. to say something? <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. like to hear how, how, how you interpret that, what you would say about that, because I, I don't feel well, like I have a grasp on it. Well, you were, you were going, I think, in a direction that accords with something that um, I would say when he, when he, I don't know what Suzuki Roshi meant, of course, but when he wrote, life is going on, and then say the phrase again, just so I hear the way it was. Right? He said... Things are just going on. If we realize this point, that is renunciation. Right. We realize, as Todd was saying, that 
life unfolds as it will, and we are part of that unfolding. We're not separate from it. We have agency in it, but we're not directing it. And what is it that we're renouncing? Or we're renouncing as the center, we put ourselves in the center of it. Uh, okay. We're renouncing the self-centered dream. So we can move with life as it is and let it teach us instead of being at the center of life, trying to direct it. Of course, we make choice. And of course, you know, Todd was talking about the two ditches that we can fall into is either grasping and trying to run it all. Um, I spoke a few weeks ago about renunciation as not letting go of things, but letting go of our stories about ourselves. Right. And one of the big stories is what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, what makes me a good person, what I'm ashamed of. We just keep letting go of that and so that we can respond to actually life as it is. Mm. And we have this vast, incomprehensible life that's flowing through us, hence the bigger container that Todd talked about. And then we have this really small set of tools and behaviors that we learned our conditioning to try to navigate that big thing. And it's too small. So our practice helps us open. Zazen is an embodiment of that opening, the renunciation of uh, just the small perspective, but with full responsibility as we sit upright and face life with some dignity, knowing it's just going to go like it goes. And how are we going to respond to that in a wholesome way? And uh, then in a way we, we're holding hands as we do it. We help each other. So that's a little bit I would say. Thank you. Thank you. But thank you both. Thank you. So I've been debating about coming on because as you can see, I'm here in a hospital room in a hospital bed. But your theme of transmission just seemed too obvious um, to uh, pass by because what's being transmitted literally into my body is someone else's blood. And um, you asked, you know, what's being transmitted so I could answer physically, literally, um, blood and how to keep it well. Um, since I've had several transfusions in the last few months, um, one of the ways I've discovered to keep it well is to recognize that this is uh, the deepest physical experience of interbeing, of oneness, and to keep it with appreciation and care and love. Um, because this has not been the easiest experience for me, and I could easily fall into the ditch of complaining, but that doesn't seem right to do at all, because I know that not everybody gets to have the kind of treatments I've been able to have. And so I'm really appreciating you talking about transmission uh, today and um, offering that question, how do we keep it well? So thank you so much. And thank you for um, your offering today, Todd. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad you decided to get on and talk to us about it. What you're offering to us today is a great demonstration about the opportunities for choice I was talking about. 
right? Mm. You recognize that you have a choice of which mind to bring to the situation and which one, but which one do you want for yourself? Yes, thank you. Thank you yeah. for pointing that out about right. choice. Yes. Demonstrating that, that with enough bits of practice under our belt, we have the opportunity to choose how we need things. And that really affects our way in the world, even when it's just with ourselves. Mm -hmm. When you said um, choice, the image I had was a door on the right and a door on the left. And the middle, you know, an entrance with doors we could enter. However, what's in the middle is a very clear path. There's no threshold. There's no going into. It's just always there. And I just, I'm, I'm just feeling so grateful for that image that you gave us today. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a very powerful way to end from a real situation. Right? These aren't just ideas about how we want to do things, right? That was a pretty good visual of where the rubber meets the road. Thank you. So let's end together as we always do by reciting the four practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding the self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding the self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much for being here, for your presence and for your offerings. And thank you for letting me join you this week. Good to see you all. Thank you so much, Todd. And thank you to Suzanne, who never stops transmitting wisdom and wonderfulness. <laughs> um, if you'd like to make um, a contribution to Apamada, um, as all the programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity, then please go to the website at apamada.org forward slash contribute. And here you'll find a link to offer Dana to teachers such as Flint and Peg, as well as teachers such as Todd, um, Joel and Laurie and for classes and practice discussions. Thank you so much everybody. And we now move on to the next part of our uh, day where we continue to meet and share 
on the virtual part for a further 30 minutes. So please do come and join us if you if you can. Thank you again, everybody. Thank you so much.